0: Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents, where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk.
2: I am Azure Sullivan. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. Chris.
1: And what's on the agenda today for the podcast? We are going to talk to you about sleeping. Sleeping, yeah. Uh, Which we all need more of. (laughs) I do. I need a lot more. Um, But no, we're talking mainly about babies. Babies getting to sleep. And maybe at the end of this, maybe it'll help you get some sleep.
2: Yeah, some tips about how to get more parent time and how to get your baby to sleep well.
1: Absolutely. A well-rested baby is a happy baby. And a happy parent, too, comes out of that. Absolutely. Okay, so um, what are you seeing associated, you know, people coming in, is it sleep related, you know, in the ER?
2: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the good and the bad. All right. Let's start with the good first. Um, many parents are super concerned and you know, they will come into the ER in the middle of the night cause the baby was crying. Um, they're not sleeping well and sure. Can this be a symptom of an illness? Absolutely. But there are lots of tips to make your baby sleep a lot better. And if you follow those things, you're not going to have these difficulties. You're not going to come into the middle of the night. And we've done another podcast about sudden unexpected infant death, and I still see it. I see it, unfortunately, and it's really related to babies not being put down correctly. They're put down on their belly. They're put down on a couch. They're put down with things in the crib and there can't be anything in the crib. It's a onesie and your baby. That's it.
1: So you want to talk about the basics of, you know.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think we've gone through that already. And but I, I wanna reemphasize how important it is back to sleep. You'll hear me say that over and over again. It's back to sleep, back to sleep, back to sleep. I have seen deaths that are avoidable. And unfortunately they're they're not my favorite you know, to deal with, and many of these babies come in, they've been dead for several hours by the time they get to us, and it is devastating, and it's some simple things that you can do. You know, you can't prevent all of it, and we don't really understand why it happens to some babies and not others, and there's a ton of research that's going on around this, but what we do know is that the old SIDS, which is now Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, S-U-I-D-S, has decreased dramatically since back to sleep, so if grandma's saying, put the baby on the belly, please do not do that and get everything out of the, out of the crib. No bumpers, um, no stuffed animals, no pillows. Um, and it certainly will get easier as the baby gets older and that's really important for young infants and young babies, uh, but really through that first year of life. Uh, one of the things that's also, I think, challenging for parents is that babies begin to start to roll over at four months. So you're gonna to wanna to put them on their back. Um, they may roll over, but they'll find a position that works for them. So you definitely don't want anything in the crib, but you know what happens is there's a reflex that goes away around four months. It's called a fencer reflex, that it's really there when they're young to prevent them from rolling over. And parents will ask me all the time, well, what if they vomit? What if they spit up? Babies will turn their head. They do very, very well and they've done it for a long time. So, you know, we're gonna talk about different tips and things that you can do to help your baby sleep. And let's start talking first about temperature. And what did you do for temperature for your child?
1: Uh, I guess you're saying more environment, their environment yeah. in general, their temperature yeah. environment. I. Well, we adults we really like it chilled when we are sleeping. Well, a lot of us can't. Some do. Some don't. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. There's a lot of, a lot of different comfort levels for different people. I get that. Um, generally, we like to keep babies, young children between 68 degrees and 72 degrees Fahrenheit yeah.
2: that in is, the room. That is definitely the recommendations, and even for adults, that 68 is right around the right number, and research has shown that babies sleep better and adults sleep better. And really what we're talking about, you talked about environment, right? It's creating that optimal environment for your child. So not only the temperature, but really thinking about your baby's circadian rhythms, right? When they come out, they may be backwards. You know, my parents come in all the time. My baby cries all night and sleeps all day. Well, um, As a parent, you need to slowly work that out and with routine. And we'll talk a little bit more about routines later, but, it's that an optimal environment. And what can we do with that? You know, it's blackout shades and you want to transform that nursery into this womb-like environment. They came out of this, you know...
1: It's, it's pretty noisy in there, in the womb.
2: Yeah, not it's so like much. A, it's like it, a it, mellow,
1: it, noisy... It is isn't. it isn't. ...room in there. And,
2: you know, certainly, you know, they're going to be up during the day when you're up there, when you're up during the day as, as a mom, but noise machine works wonders. I love them. Blackout shades work wonders. And, you know, really what you're trying to do is you're trying to get them from that light sleep stage light stage of sleep into that deep stage as fast, fast as you possibly can. And, you know, noise machine will help, you know, keeping it dark, you know, we're Dealing occasionally with changes in our environment outside. So in the summertime, it's light longer um, I'm sure you've had a challenge with that I know I had a challenge with my kids going to sleep You know, my kids used to go to bed 7 30 8 o'clock
1: and they wake up the crack of dawn Which is like four in the morning. And it's
2: light at 5 a.m. And it's staying light till nine o'clock at night um, It's really a challenge. So those blackout Curtains are absolutely amazing and really trying to get them in, into an environment and trying to get them into a routine and Give that sleep cue. Yeah. What, what are those sleep cues? You, you've seen them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, for them, you know, the yawning, the, you know, understanding what they look like and when they're actually tired. Also, cueing to them by when we take a bath and read a book, that's, hey, we're getting ready to go to sleep for the night. Yeah. Pulling the shades, putting on the sound machine, letting them know, hey, we're going to sleep.
2: Yeah. I would add that timing is critical. If you miss those sleep cues you're going to spiral and you're going to probably have two hours where it takes to get a baby to sleep.
1: Which is part of the routine.
2: Correct. And especially if your infant becomes overtired um, or you've done an activity where their brain is just on overload, you're really going to struggle to get through that. And really what happens is their melatonin levels will be lower, Um, you know, their brains releasing these wakefulness hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, and it makes them difficult to, it's difficult to fall asleep. As adults, it's difficult to fall asleep. Watch a really scary movie and try to go to sleep right afterward. Um, So don't miss these cues, Um, you know, work on the environment when you see them kind of start to be disinterested in their surroundings, they start to stare off into space. That's the time where that melatonin is really peaking. And as a parent, you need to really kind of snatch that time and say, you know what, it's time for bed. We're gonna do the routine and we're gonna get them into bed very, very quickly. Um, What are some other things that have been effective for you? You know, One of the things that worked for my kids was swaddling. What what worked for you?
1: Singing, you know, the warmth and like the holding, you know, being super close to them. Rocking chair. Definitely had like a very – a small little rocking chair that I kind of rocked back and forth. Sometimes I cre- turn myself into a rocking chair standing. <laughs> um, massages. I love giving full-body massages. It really relaxes them entirely. I think they're really underrated and a lot of people don't really do it. Kind of just like the patting of the back. But I like full-body massage.
2: Yeah, I, I was a big believer in – you know, you did a meal as a family and we're talking about older kids, but even the younger kids, you know, you include them. You're going to give a bath. You're going to certainly apply some lotion, read a book. And, you know, as babies, you know, one of the things that I grew up in is I grew up in a neonatal intensive care unit and grew up in a nursery. And if you're in a nursery, you have 30 kids in the nursery and we're trying to examine them. And if I knew anyone that knew how to put babies to sleep, it was the newborn nursery nurses, because hmm. um, they wanted it quiet and they wanted to go about their business and get their job done. And what do they do well, better than anyone? They swaddle and- you Good know, burrito. You, you know, And it is amazing if you know how to swaddle really, really well. There are some commercial products out there like the Miracle Blanket, the Swaddle Up, um, that you can certainly, you know, Go out and find but you can do it with just a blanket and what it does is it puts them back in that womb-like environment it allows them to feel like they're warm they're cozy think about when you wrap yourself up in blankets you know you, you fall asleep and that's how we sleep with a ambient outside cooler temperature um, so certainly something that swaddling is really really important um, i would also say be prepared when something happens in the middle of the night you know you get baby wakes up at two o'clock in the morning and, you know, they're at that time where they're not just seeking attention, you know, they're wet.
1: They have um, a blowout.
2: Yeah. Be prepared. If you're having to run through the house and look for a diaper and a wipe, you're going to have a kid where those hormones have now come back that adrenaline, that cortisol, and they're awake mode. You're going to be up for six hours. Um, it's starting over. They're up for the day. Uh, what are some of the things you've done to be prepared for those, you know, blowouts in the middle of the night you know you've talked about organizing a child's room
1: yeah i mean I, I i created that zone you know that changing zone and having the crib really close to that so i could just pop a wipe pop a diaper out right if you know they vomited or they did have a blowout and it got onto their sheets you know you go oh great now i gotta take the whole bed apart the kids awake right um have the like a some people do like a second layer of sheets underneath with like a pad in between, yeah. so you just take that first layer sheet off, throw the pad away, and then you just already have the sheet ready underneath and you just pop your kid back on. Um, I've also done that in a different way, I've put down a mattress protector but one sheet on top, and I just took off the sheet, and then they were sleeping on the mattress protector, but like you know, in the middle of the night. It's a quick thing to do and not worry about it. And you can wash the the mattress protector another day. But it's at that moment you're thinking about a quick fix. You want them to get to sleep. You want them to be comfortable and clean. You know, having an extra set of jammies that's right there by the wipes and the diapers so that it's all accessible.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I've heard that. I've seen it. I did it with my children as well, where you have that extra layer. You have prepared an extra set of pajamas or a sleep sack or whatever you're using uh for your infant as well. And you know, I think the other thing is let's talk a little bit about pacifiers. And we've talked about this, I've talked about it on social media before. If you look at the research, pacifiers are protective under six months of age. Um, over that age, they start to become a risk to cause some illnesses. They can lead to ear infections. They can lead to other types of infections. So you want to try to get rid of them as early as you can. Um, But certainly when they're young, a pacifier is not a bad thing. Certainly having backup pacifiers and keeping them where you need them. And, you know, I, I think that I'm not a huge fan of pacifiers, But certainly for young infants, this can be something that can help you, potentially help you as a parent. You know, kid spits out a pacifier at, you know, two o'clock in the morning and you can't find another one, you're going to have a lot of problems very, very quickly. So, you know, I would also say the other thing is work with your partner, you know, work with whoever's helping you. Take turns. Absolutely. And that's really the key. And talk about it ahead of time. You know, if baby wakes up at two o'clock in the morning and there's not a plan, you're, you're both now up. And, you know, one may be working, maybe the other one's not working. But I think that's that partnership and working together and being on the same page with all the way from routine until wake up in the morning and breakfast and all of those things. If you've talked about it ahead of time, you've planned ahead of time, you know, tonight's your night, tomorrow's my night or I'm gonna do the first yeah. one, you're gonna do the next one in the morning. Um, it's those handoffs back and forth. And what will end up happening is, you know, babies typically start to sleep through the night right around four to six months. They'll get about six hours of sleep. Um, as a parent, you can begin to start getting that four or five hours instead of looking like that zombie where you've been all up all night to the ER because your baby's crying, not sleeping, and their circadian rhythms are off. Um, so, what else? Are there other things that you'd recommend?
1: Yeah. So, I also, going back to, you know, the being prepared and having like the PJs and stuff readily available, I also like to think about this is part of the environment as well, but I like to think about, you know, I, you know, I moved into a new house and, you know, the lights are all vibrant, bright white lights. And what I like to do is create, and this is part of like the story time and, you know, the sleep cue is I have an extra tiny little lamp that I turn on and it's enough to illuminate the room, but it's soft, like a yellow light, softer light. And it's enough for me to take care of what I need to take care of, you know, without keeping them awake and also, if that emergency does happen, that I turn that soft light on instead of that big light. Um, I've also used night lights that I have kind of hidden behind something so that it's not keeping them awake directly, so that I can easily walk in and you know maybe find that pacifier without turning on either of the other two lights. So I like those little soft night lights on the opposing side of the room behind something so that it's not directly in their face, but it's kind of giving you just a allows you to see the whole room and what you need to do without actually turning on a light, right? Some people like to check in on their baby frequently in the middle of the night. This will allow you to do that without turning on an actual light.
2: Yeah, I would also add there are commercially available alarm clocks that you don't necessarily have to use the alarm clock. And I remember using it for my second, and this was pretty new at the time, that had a light that simulated sundown and it simulated sunrise and you could actually tap it and it was a very low light that you could function, didn't wake the child up, which you have that blowout, you, lose the, you use the pacifier, um, they're very effective and you can go search them either on Amazon or Best Buy or wherever you buy your products. Um, let's talk a little bit about naps. And babies don't typically get to a very set nap time until they're about four to six months of age. Uh, what's been your experience? What were things that you know really helped you get your child napping regularly?
1: I think that goes back to routine. I
2: would it's agree. It's
1: really about, I literally created a, li- well, okay, so she's born. You kind of get to take a few weeks to know each other. You know, again, uh, they might come out being awake all hours in the night and then sleep during the day. You have to start slowly getting in into that routine that you desire, whether that's around your work schedule, whether that's around, you know, it's, it's it, there's a lot of factors that are involved in what you want for this child's routine. Um, but also- I just sit down, I wrote down on a piece of paper, hey, this seems like it's working in this direction. This is how I want to focus on trying to get her to do this, see how it goes. And that's the goal really at the end of the day is how can we get the child to sleep, eat, nap, poop, whatever in this routine, bedtime, bath time, right? Really sticking to that time. And that's really how I've gotten kids to nap when I want them to nap or when they should be napping. And if they don't want to nap, you know, even if you kind of put them in a a space by themselves, even if they're not napping, they're at least alone, they have the sleep cue, they will relax themselves. And then they will understand over time that, okay, I'm supposed to be sleeping, you know, and then they go right down.
2: Yeah, I I would add that most babies don't always necessarily nap well in their crib. Um, I think if you're awake, and you're watching them, and you have an eye on them, they can sleep in a carrier. They can sleep in a stroller. If they happen to fall asleep, I wouldn't beat yourselves up about, you know, for at least for the first six months. They have to be in their crib. The nap is at 1230. Um, it's not going to be perfect. And it can be really haphazard for the first six months. And as Azure said, it's it's a routine. And that routine is very perfect or is, is the perfect way to do it.
1: Sticking to it.
2: Absolutely. And making sure both parents are on the same page when they're sticking to it. Um, and it can be challenging, you know, go for a drive, you know, you're running errands and the baby's asleep in the back of the car for two hours. (laughs) You're, you're you're in trouble.
1: I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Or, you know, they go to grandma's house and the grandma's like, let's just stay awake during this time when they're not, you know, when they're normally supposed to be sleeping and then you get them back after that weekend and you're like, oh, okay. So they're just a little off schedule now. Now I have to work to get back into it. That's happened to me a lot.
2: Let's talk a little bit about babies crying at night and this can be very challenging for parents because you immediately, you know, look, babies under six months of age, six to eight months, somewhere in that ballpark, they need you at their at their side. Um, they're usually, there's a reason that they're crying in the middle of the night and they're hungry, they're wet. and But after six months, eight months, you have a 12 month old that's waking, waking up at two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. They're really looking to hang out.
1: They want company
2: they want company they want mom to come in they who wouldn't i want to come in i, I want, want be, hugs and kisses i want to be fed at 2 30 in the morning i want to be fed at six that's when you're probably going to need to walk away you're going to need to shut the door and you're going to let them have to comfort themselves and go back to sleep by them by themselves and i would say you know lastly one of the things as a parent is to be calm and patient and be persistent and don't let your emotions get the best of you. Oh yeah. Kids read emotions. I see it every day in the emergency department. A mom's upset, the kid's gonna be upset. And, you know, don't compare it to friends, don't compare on Google, Um, you are, your kid is your child and each one is a little bit different. And for parents that have multiple children, you guys all know this, my my daughter was very different than my son in their sleep patterns. They come out different ways, everyone's kind of built a little bit different. Um, but I think if you follow these tips, these are great tips to get your child to sleep more effectively. Um, you will have more adult time you will have more rested child that's not cranky, and overall your life will be a little bit easier.
1: And again, if you're questioning yourself and you're comparing, you find yourself comparing yourself to your friends, and you know, reach out to your pediatrician and say, "Hey, you know, my kid's waking up three times a night. They're eight months old. What am I doing? That could be, you know, what what should I be doing differently?" And they'll give you those suggestions based off of what you describe to them. They might say, "Yeah, you just kind of need to let them cry it out," or actually they are sick or you know they have this so discuss that with your pediatrician
2: absolutely and i hope that everyone has loved these tips for sleeping um, if you've loved them please let us know um, go to bloomwellwellness.com, sign up for our classes if you're having an issue reach out we consult all the time
1: yeah we have a whole class on sleeping
2: yeah, we have class so and we'll do one-on-one with you for months if we need to. Uh, we love what we do. We're passionate about what we do and follow us on social media. And again, guys, thanks for listening and till the next podcast.
0: Have a great day, guys. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our mom and doc talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at WeAreKidsHealthSecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.